Who's excited to be in the house of God this morning? Come on, we're still here. Come on, the attack might have came. The weapon may have been formed, but it didn't prosper. You're here. You're still breathing. Something to praise God about. I promise you, there's always something to be thankful for. Okay? So we're starting out. I thought we were done with our series called Unmerited last week, and I announced to you guys that we were going to move on and do something else, and then God took me right back there. And so I said at the start of this series that I'm just going to follow God week by week, see what he wants to do, see what he wants to say. I think if we would do that, instead of putting our agenda and our planning on it, we would be a lot better off. Amen? So we're just rolling with it this morning. We've had... Um, We've had three weeks uh, of, of, of God challenging our understanding of grace. God told me, you know, in the first of the year, we're going to shoot our shot this year. And then he started talking about grace. And he said, we'll never do the things that, that I've laid before you if you don't understand the grace of God. And so, so we talked about this all the way through. And God has, God has retrained us. To what the biblical version of the grace of God is. So we're going to continue on that today. Uh, week one, establish what is grace. Grace is the unmerited, undeserved, unearned love in favor of God. It's a free gift. I wrapped the door last week. I, I love doing illustrations because you guys will always remember that. You guys will remember uh, all, the, all the silly illustrations us preachers do to try to get you to remember the revelation that God's speaking. It's not because we're silly and like to do stuff. I am kind of silly, but um, but it's because I want I want it to impact you. I want it to I want you to I want it to take you uh, uh, somewhere in life. I never want to preach so you can hear me preach. I never want to uh, preach to entertain uh, denominations and other preachers. I want to make a difference in people's lives. That's all I want to do. I don't want to jump through hoops. I don't want to go through motions. I just want to make a difference. And I want to preach sermons that when you, you may not need it right now, but when you find yourself standing in that doorway feeling like you're back and forth and back and forth, you'll remember the fact that God says, no, you're in, and nobody can shut the door. You're sealed. Come on. I, I need, because there's been times in my life when good times in my life, oh, that, yeah, that's a good sermon. Praise the Lord. But it didn't really apply at the moment. And then I forgot it. But the Bible says the Spirit of God will bring to remembrance the things that God has taught us, right? And so, but in the, I find myself going back to sermons that I heard five years ago on YouTube and go, what? I only looked at, I only watched it because, because Paul Daughtery was riding a moped through service. I just was trying to figure out what he was preaching about. He was riding a moped. Victor, he rode a moped through his service last week. Series called Unforgettable. Guess what? I didn't forget it. I listen, I'll be honest with you. I love Paul, great ministry at Victory. I listened to his sermon just to see why he was riding a moped. It worked. Good job, brother. Grace is a free gift. We talked about the fact that grace is the gospel. Grace is the grace of God is what makes the gospel good news. Because if I because because if I just preach heaven and I put a qualification process on it it's not good news why because I'm bad it's good news it's good why is it good because of the grace of God because the grace is sufficient uh, is sufficient enough to cover all of my mess all of my mistakes all of my bad performance that's what makes it good so if you take the grace out of the gospel it's no longer the gospel 
It's no longer gospel. It's just another form of the law. Come on. And so we talked about week one, what grace did. Uh, Romans 5, 21, I'm just going to read the latter part of it. It says, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. God, the grace of God replaced, it said instead, it didn't, it didn't, it, they don't go hand in hand. It replaced the qualification process that you had to go through to be in right standing with God. Now I don't have to kill goats. Okay, now I don't have to go find turtle doves. And, and you know, so then, so, so why did he have to do that? That's why he got so upset. He, he, you know, we, we preached the turning over the tables a bunch of different ways. But he said, no, 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 I've got, to, I've got to turn this thing that you have created totally upside down. Because you've created a thing by which you could work and pay for the sacrifice. And I'm turning it upside down to, to make it where you don't work, the sacrifice is free. All you have to do is believe. It's the grace of God. That's the gospel. If you've never heard it before, you've heard the gospel. Uh, grace rules out, uh, uh, rules instead, not alongside. Week two, we talked about the application of grace. And we looked at our example of Jesus and determined uh, that Jesus showed everyone grace, right? Sinner and saint, religious and addicted, prostitute and prodigal. Come on, we talked about IRS agents and lepers. There wasn't anybody that Jesus didn't show grace upon. Come on, Democrat, Republican. Don't, let, don't make me get where you're, where you're living today. Come on, don't make me come into the house and sit down on the couch. Come on, mask wearers, non-mask wearers. Vaccinators, non-vaccinators. Come on. I'm trying to make it real for you. The application of grace, rich and poor. Black and white. Come on, church people, Baptist and Pentecostal. Even a few Assembly of God guys every now and then. Come on, God showed grace to everybody. There was no qualification for grace. Therefore, there was nobody who could not have grace. And if Jesus is our example, then why did we come in and say, oh, 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 you got to speak in tongues. Oh, no, no, no. You got to quote this script, this, this exact prayer. Come on, repeat after me. Oh, he's not saved because the preacher said it wrong. He didn't put these two phrases in there. No, it was, it was a confession of what happened in my heart. I get saved in my heart, guys. Come on, I, I get saved in my heart. Ezekiel 36, 26 says that when I, that he said, a new heart I'll give you. I'll replace, I'll take the heart of stone out and replace it with a heart of flesh. He said, a new spirit I'll give you. What does that mean? It's mean I, I, had a, I had a heart transformation. Come on, I had a, I had a transplant. Come on, they, they tried to give, they tried to put Brother Guy on a transplant list one year. I remember that. He come in, he wore the vest to church for a long time, and then all of a sudden they said, wait, uh, take him off the transplant list. I can't explain it, but something has happened. Come on, that's his testimony. I'm not going to tell it, but if you guys are new here and don't know Guy Shinneman, he's got so many testimonies. He need, you need to write a book, brother. I'm just, I'm just telling you, you need to write a book. Come on, walking around with a, with a life vest. Isn't that what they call it, brother guy? A life vest. Let's walk around. Because why? Because, I contracted, because he contracted something on the mission field doing the work of God. So then what happened? God said, well, okay, I, I got you. I'm going to take care of that. Ezekiel 36, 26 says, I'll create a new heart in you. Brand new heart. Come on. 
That was way off of my, off of my notes here. <laughs> but you get the point. God, God said, there's nobody. There's nobody too far gone. Come on, I need, to, I need to talk to somebody who's watching online or who slipped in the balcony or who's, who's on the back road trying to get in the darkest spot in the sanctuary today. Nobody's too far gone. You are not too far gone. I don't care how many, I don't, I don't care how many prison sentences you've faced. I don't care how many lines of cocaine you've snorted, how many needles you've stuck in your arm. I don't care how many, for, for us religious people, I don't care how many people you've turned away. You get, a, you get an option. When we, when we preach the true grace of God, you get an option to stop doing that. Well, you get an option because freely I receive, now freely I give. The problem is sometimes we forget the grace that was, that was bestowed upon us. We forget that time because well, it's been 20, 30 years. And now we're pretty good people. Come on. Now we don't need as much grace as we used to need. So now when a, now when a prostitute comes in and breaks her alabaster box over Jesus' feet, we start talking about feeding the poor. Oh, come on. He's, that's valuable stuff. And he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. At least she brought me your best, her best. Come on, she brought me... The alabaster box could only be opened once. It was sealed with wax. I'll, we'll do a teaching on that one time. It was sealed with wax. It could only be, it, it had to be broken to be accessed. Come on. And meanwhile, he's sitting, he's sitting at the table of the religious. And they said, do you know who she is? Come on, we already dismissed the kids. That's a whore. She nasty. I said, how you know? How you know her? You forgot the grace that was, you forgot, you forgot how you knew her. You forgot that you, you slept with her before you received grace. And so now, you are denying the same grace that you received. Dangerous. Dangerous. Come on, we determined that grace in the hands of man creates prodigals. But grace in the hands of God creates sons and daughters. Come on, how does it create sons? Well, we, we talked about it last week. Week three, our response to grace. We talked about how God didn't save us just to get us in the door. That there's a whole realm of things that he has for us to experience. Come on, he, did, he didn't save me just so I could get in the door and be like, whew. Some of us is standing at the door with our ARs hoping hell don't catch up. Come on. Like, boy, if that door opens, I'm about to bust whoever comes to the first person through it. They're catching hands and bullets. Like, man, I'm not even there no more. I don't know what happened back there. I'm over here on the couch drinking root beer. Come on, I like root beer. Well, I'm eating potato chips. I'm in the pantry. I'm eating the bread of life. Meanwhile, you're fighting to stay in this door that was supposed to be sealed. Anyway, come on. None of this is in my notes. I don't even know why I'm looking at this thing. <laughs> we talked about, you know, God's not trying to get us into heaven. He's also trying to get heaven into us. He's trying to get us to walk out heaven. Come on, he said, he said, on this rock I'll build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against us. Whatever you say is bound is bound in heaven. Whatever you say is loose is loosed on earth. 
On what revelation? He had, asked, he had just asked his disciples, who do they say I am? This ain't in my notes either. He said, who, did I, who do they say I am? And they said, well, some say you're Elijah. Some say you're one of the prophets. He said, yeah, but who do you say I am? Peter says, you're the Christ, son of the living God. And Jesus gets excited, but nobody talks about why Jesus got excited. Jesus did not get excited. Jesus had told them. I got confused when I read that, y'all. I'm like, he been saying that. You gave him the answer. Why are you excited that he told He just repeated back to you what you done said like 10 times before this. He said, he said, Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you. He said, but my father who is in heaven has revealed this unto you. He said, on this rock, on this revelation, the fact that if you can figure out who I am in the spirit, then you can figure out your identity of yourself in the spirit, and that is how I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it, and you can walk like heaven on earth. You're like, oh, well, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Well, devil's kicking my butt, but I guess I read the back of the book, and he, we win. I'm just going to keep on Struggling for Jesus. Come on, we've all said it. Come on, how many times have you heard us say, I read the back of the book, we win. You just keep on plugging along, praise God. I'm excited, be, be, uh, be joyful when you go through struggles of many kinds. I, man, I, 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 that ain't enough for me. I'm sorry. I was struggling in the world, why am I going to... Why is this any better? But until the church awakens and says, oh, now I've entered through the door. Now I'm going to walk out this realm of what God has for me. I'm going to be led by the Spirit. I'm going to, I'm going to bind cancer and lose health. Come on, I'm going to bind poverty and lose wealth. Come on. Only then is it like, oh, hey, now I got a little taste of what heaven's like. But because we preach the door of grace, we're just right inside the door, and people don't experience that. They go back to the last thing they've experienced, and the, and the gospel is not progressive any longer. So then, so we're living our life as prodigals, going in the door, out the door, in the door, out the door, going, I'll just be your servant, God. God said, no, 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 put, I'm putting you back, I'm killing the fatted calf for you. No, no, come on, we're, we're having a celebration. Like, come on into the kingdom. You get your room back. You get the robe of righteousness back. You get your ring of identity back that's got the family seal on it. You get all of these things. He said, no, 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 I don't want you to eat with the pigs any longer. But here's the problem. Jesus taught, man, I'm still just flowing. Jesus, Jesus taught, I'm going to prepare a place for you. He said, in my father's house, there's many rooms. But when we all make it about a room, there's only enough room for so many of us. And so we, we have to scale people back and go, oh, no, no, no. I've been serving God 20 years. You can't do stuff I haven't done. Meanwhile, you won't do it because you don't understand the grace of God. Because you don't truly believe that the grace of God is sufficient for you. Because if you did, you would try it. Come on, what do I have to lose? What do I have to lose? And if God be for me, who, who be against me? 
The Bible actually says, who dare be against me? Come on, who dare come against me? And so over the course of my life, every time I get to a new level, there's somebody else telling me that I couldn't or shouldn't do something. And in the first level, I listened. In the next level, I allowed God to be God, but I still submitted. Yes, Master. In this level, baby, you're not convincing me because now I'm understanding. Look, hold on, hold on, hold on. If God is doing it, why are you against it? Because there's only two teams. Be very careful coming against something that God is doing. Nobody operate. You're like, well, well, that person hasn't been saved long enough to prophesy. Sorry, that one got a little bit personal. Those of you in my inner circle know what I'm talking about. I swore I wasn't going to take no shots today, but God told me to take a shot. I'm teasing. That person ain't been saved long enough to lay hands on the sick. Sorry, uh, can you read me the qualification process? I can't find it. It's not in my Bible. See, when I got saved, I, I had the right to become the sons of God, but I did not ne necessarily yet have the understanding to walk as a son of God until God started leading me in this thing. And so in this season, I'm going, hey, if God's for them, I'm for them. Come on. If God's for these guys going to the trap house and laying hands on the sick, come on. It happened last week. If God's for them, I'll put my name on them. Come on, I'll put my hat on them. Well, yeah, but they, but they, still, they still smoke a little weed, Pastor. Yeah, I know. But last time I checked, it was the Holy Spirit's job to clean them. I'm just supposed to catch them. Yeah, you're right. I'm just catching them. It's catch and release. Catch and release. But when we catch for the prize, when we catch for the prize, we start preparing them the way we like them. But when it's catch and release... I'm catching you, I'm catching you, and then I'm releasing you out there to reach people that I cannot reach. But when we are leading churches to catch for the prize, look how big mine is. I got to get back to my notes today. When I got saved, I had the right to become the son of God. I had the spiritual birthright. But when I go to mama's house, I get to walk in my inheritance. Well, I don't walk in there and ask mama what's in the fridge unless I want her to cook me something. I just go in there and open the fridge. I just go in the pantry. I'm eating cookies. Just, mama ain't even home yet. I beat her there. I got the key to the house. I got the, got the code to the gate. I got all the things. I, got, I, I can operate within this realm. Do whatever I want to. Why? Because I have the authority to do so. And nobody's going to say nothing to me.
we should operate in that same confidence in the kingdom of God. That's what we talked about last week. We should operate in that same confidence and go, look, if I truly understand who I am, then I realize what I have access to. And so if I, if I am an heir, if I'm walking in inheritance, okay, so when he said I'm an heir, okay, I get to do some things. I, I get to, you know, I'm, I'm on this level. But when you said I was a joint heir with Christ Jesus, sure. Let's go to the lake. I'm going to try to walk on water. <laughs> Sam preached half of my sermon earlier. But like, like y'all read the Bible too stuffy, man, I'm telling you. And they're in the middle of the storm. Raining so hard they can't even see Jesus. Is that, what is that? Is that a boat coming to rescue us? Is that the Coast Guard? No, it's not the Coast Guard. It kind of looked like Jesus. He gets close enough, and Peter sees that it's Jesus riding waves barefooted. Come on. He's walking on water, and, and Peter goes, hey, look, Peter's like me. He's like, dang. Let me do that. Let me do that. Let me, Lord, can I, can I do it? Let me get some. Can, can I do that? He's like, come on. He walks out there to him like, yeah, he fell. But guess what? The Bible doesn't say he got back in the boat after Peter, after, after Jesus picked him back up. I got to believe. He's like, whew, man, I stumbled. Come on, let's go to the shore. Why would they get back in the boat? It don't make no sense. If I'm going to walk on water, let's just walk on over here. I mean, it, it actually says that when they hit the shore, Jesus met them there. I don't believe Jesus walked Peter back over to the boat, stuck him in the boat, said good luck, and went to the shore. No, they just walked to the shore. Like, come on, bro. And all the rest of the religious people are still going. He can't do that. That sucker. Come on. And keep rowing. And keep rowing. So when I come into the kingdom, if there's some drums, I'll, if, I were, if I could play. Jesse got called in to work today, couldn't play. If I could play, I'd have played the drums, but they don't want me playing the drums. Weston's better than me, okay? <laughs> Little Weston carry beat all the way through practice for him this morning. If there's a guitar, I'm going to strum it. I might not strum it like Holly, but I got the right to play it. Come on, it's in the Father's house. Why do you think I don't kick the kids off the platform? Well, they're distracting. Yeah, they are distracting. Bless God, back there, they don't know, they, they don't know no better. They're back there talking, back there hitting drums with stuff. I just sit down beside them. We still got a design of a triangle and the drumsticks back here that Weston left for us. I said, Pastor, why ain't you kicking them off the platform? I said, because they might have a calling to this thing, and if I make them scared of it, if I make this woo, holy, they're going to fight insecurity every time they step up here. So I try to rein them in. I'm trying not to ruin y'all's religious worship experience, you know. They back there talking about Power Rangers, like, hey, you watch that new Power Rangers? I'm over there beating on the drum rack and all this stuff. It's like, you know what, those, those people are going to lead this church one day. Come on. 
Come on, if you've ever watched, if you've ever watched Weston play the drums, dude's got some talent. How old is he, Trisha? Four years old. Y'all can't even clap to the beat. <laughs> this boy four years old back there hitting. Come on, if there's gifts, I want them. You ever walked into your family's house at Christmas when you was a little kid? You ever walked in the next morning and be like, oh, praise God, we got gifts. Glad we got gifts. No, what'd you do? You ran over there and started ripping them suckers open. Like, what I got? Just going crazy. But when we receive the gift of grace, we go, I'm not gonna get in trouble. I don't wanna do it wrong. What if I unwrap it wrong? What if I, what if I, what if I don't know how to play the guitar as soon as what what if what if God gets me a guitar and I don't know how to play it? So do I just put it down? Or do I learn how to operate this thing? Come on, if there's gifts, I want them. Come on, if there's if I can prophesy, I want to prophesy. If I can heal the sick, I want to heal the sick. If I can walk on water, I want to walk on water, baby. I, I want the full experience. Come on, roll out the VIP carpet. I'm a son. I'm not just some, I'm just not some dude just walk. I'm not a visitor anymore. Come on, somebody asked me the other day, so we need to open up the membership roles. I, said, I thought you was a member. You're like, well, not technically. I was like, look, if you go to this church, you're not a member. You're an owner. Take ownership. Walk in here. You get everything I, I do. If you need the microphone, take the microphone. Do whatever you got to do. But because we've made membership and we've made this thing tears, you're scared to get off the pew and go pray for somebody. And God's leading you and giving you a word for them. Oh, God is trying to use you to prophesy. You're like, maybe I think that's just in my head. It is in your head because you've adopted the mind of Christ. Go prophesy. All of a sudden, you, for, for out of nowhere, you get this burden to go pray for somebody that you know is sick. That's not your burden. You say, well, I, I, I kind of knew the situation. Yeah, you did. And you're the, you're the, you're the solution. Oh, I just pray from a distance. God can do it from a distance. Yeah, but what if he's sending you? God can do it however he wants to. But what if he's sending you? What if he's trying to show that person how to operate in their gifts? What if he's trying to use you to show them that they can operate too? If I can preach, I want to preach. If I can serve, I want to serve. If I can heal, I want to heal. If I can cast out demons, let's get it. I'm not backing down from nothing. Why? Because I understand who I am. Nothing scare me. What am I supposed to be scared of? What are we going to do? Kill me? I win. Kill me. I'll go to heaven. I'll quit having to deal with stupid people. <laughs> Come on, I'm a joint heir with Christ. That means because of grace, I get to live the same as Christ. Come on, for you fishermen, I can catch a bass with, a, with money in his mouth. One of them cash basses. Roll it in. Got a collector's coin in his mouth. Y'all didn't like that one. I'm telling y'all, I'm trying to read the Bible to y'all real. 
But because, because we put the Bible as a facade, as some fairy tale, we don't expect this to be what our life looks like. Why? Because we know us. We know us. How am I going to catch a bass with, fish in his, with, 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 with money in his mouth and receive the, the, this miracle of God when earlier I drank some beer while I was on the lake? Oh, shoot. Oh, my gosh. You're condoning social drinking. No, I'm not. I'm saying it, it does not keep the grace of God from you. I promise you, you get far enough in God, he's going to convict you about that. If I do it, guess what's going to happen? You're going to go to another church. I'm going to go to a church that don't preach about that stuff. Yeah, I need 20 minutes of God is good and I'm going home. I'm going to go watch the Super Bowl. Yep, we'll see if, if, if Tom Brady can be resurrected once again. Come on. Don't you know that the Patriots are mad right now? They're like, dang, I thought this dude was done. He's playing for a ring today. They're sitting on their couch saying, oh, my gosh, he can't do this. And there's somebody watching online saying, he can't preach that. Take another lap, man. There are 28 chapters in the book of Acts. It's the only, it's the only book that does not have an ending. Why? Because it's we still write in history. And they do not write books about spectators. Okay, it's Super Bowl Sunday, right? I have never seen the record of who attended the last, how many, what, what number Super Bowl is it? Come on. Number 50. For 50 years, they've been having Super Bowls. Has anybody ever seen Anybody, a list of who was in attendance? No, but you know what did pop up on my phone this morning while I was trying to pray and get ready for church, be all spiritual? A video of the last drive when Eli Manning won the Super Bowl and that dude caught it off his helmet. You know what I'm talking about? You sports fans know what I'm talking about. It was amazing. Scored with like, I don't know, there was like 30 seconds left. Why are we talking about Eli Manning? Because he wasn't on the couch. Come on, I don't want to sit on a pew and get fat on dip while everybody else plays. You can do that if you want to, but it ain't for me. It's not for me. Sitting over there arguing about chicken wings and whatever else y'all eat. Betting money on who else, who's going to win and who's going to fail. Well, that's what religious people are doing. Oh, it won't last a year. Oh, that's what people said about your marriage. Oh, they won't last a year. Come on, you won't make it. There's no way that'll work. They can't do that. Come on, I had, I had people tell people that about me and Pastor Sam at our wedding. Like, why are you here? Bye, Felicia. 
more barbecue meatballs for me. Gone somewhere. Be 15 years this year. Woo! Come on. You know what's funny? I just thought about that. Two of the people that was talking about that, both of them done been through a divorce. I beat them. If, if, they don't, if we don't shoot a shot, if we don't take an attempt, if we don't make an attempt, they'll never write Acts 29 and 30 and 31 about us. Well, when we started the, when, when I, I ran with Pastor Jessica's idea of the internship program uh, with the youth department, I want to do it with you guys too. I want to empower you guys. But we called it Acts 29 internships. Why? Because they're the next chapter. They're the next chapter. I think it's sad. I think it's sad that when a pastor leaves the church, the church goes downtrodden. Or when the pastor fails in his flesh, the, the church just goes under and all those people are lost and all the, all the people that were won into the kingdom are now without a, without a shepherd. Why? Because we've made it about levels and there's nobody here to empower. Come on, if, if, these, if these guys... If these guys that are coming up behind me go, go beyond me, I'm their biggest cheerleader. There's been some opportunities that have opened up for, for Leo in the past, what, two, three months. And he's like, yeah, uh, me and you can. I said, hey, no, no, no. No, no, no. I'm good. I can't go with you on this one. But you need to know something. I am your biggest fan. I am your biggest cheerleader. How can I help you? We got, we got jail ministries about to start. Look, hey, how can I serve you? I hope, I hope the jail ministry ends up bigger than, the, than this ministry. I hope it does. It's not necessarily what I'm called to, but how can I empower you? The grace of God is empowering, not insecure. Layla and I had a conversation the other day about revival. Trying to get back to my notes here. So if it's like, well, that don't match what you were just saying. I'm trying to get back here, okay? Um, We had a a conversation about revival the other day, and and then I think he ended up making a Facebook post about it, and nobody had nothing to say. (laughs) You make a Facebook post about uh, why should Donald Trump still be president, you're going to have 8,000 comments. You ask a bunch of church people, what's revival look like? Cricket, cricket, cricket. <laughs> but we've been praying for revival for 2,000 years. Revival, we need revival. Heal our land. <laughs> so what's revival look like? They'll ask, I, I, so in our conversation, I don't remember who asked the question. He might have asked it, I might have asked it, I don't know. We just bounce off each other and I said, I said what does revival look like? said that the people of God would live again. That we would live again. I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about just survive. I'm not talking about heaven. I'm talking about that country song that says live like you're dying. Live like there's no tomorrow. Live like, live like a king. Live like, like oh no, we've got to be humble. Like tell me how you being broke and addicted is glorifying your God. Tell me more about how the struggle is real. 
What's real? The struggle or God? Choose one. Choose one. Now, I'm not saying there's not attacks. But most of the time it comes from within the body of Christ. Why? Because the devil knows a kingdom. To, because the, a devil know, the devil knows that, that Jesus himself said a kingdom divided amongst itself will not stand. So I'm going to turn leader against leader. I'm going to turn church against church. I'm going to turn, why? Because if I, if I can divide the kingdom, then this whole thing's going to fall on their head. Because why? What am I doing? Because when I judge a leader, I'm calling judgment down on my head. I came to talk to you today about reckless grace. That's why we sing reckless love. Reckless grace. Reckless grace. I asked God a question this week. I was I was approached uh, by a couple different people about a couple different things, and and I asked God a question. I said, "Man, you know, I I have a tendency. Uh, if you guys haven't figured it out yet, like like I'll empower you. You God, you you say God's asking you to do something. I'm like, okay, what are we gonna do about it? Don't come to me and tell me you want you want you want to do jail ministry." And then just talk about it. Don't come to me and tell me you want to do this or do that and just talk about it. Because where's J.D. at? I think he's, still, he's in children's church today. J.D. said, I want to do this. I want to do that. I was like, okay, here, let me sign this. I said, get with my secretary, which is your wife. I said, I'm going to sign a paper saying you have the authority to operate as the refuge church. He's like. Well, what, well, you call them and you set it up and, man, I'll just help you. I said, no, 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 no. You said you wanted to do this. Come on, I'm going to put my name on you, man. I'm putting my name on you. Go to the trap house. I'm putting my name on you. Wear your hat to the trap house, please. Because I want them to know there's a safe place. Come on, the grace of God is reckless. I grew through those seasons where people told me I couldn't and I shouldn't do things. And they would say stuff, and, and, and this will go off all over <laughs> Lael in a second, but they would always say, be careful. Be careful. Come on, some of the real control, you're playing with strange fire. Come on, you're playing with strange fire. Yeah, but I'm doing it in the name of Jesus. And, 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 and there's something happening. And there's fruit. And I was told that you can only judge me by my fruit, not by my method. And they say stuff like, be careful. Be careful doing it that way. Be careful doing this. Boy, you better be careful about this person. You better watch that person. Meanwhile, when I read scripture, Jesus was reckless. Jesus' ministry was reckless, man. Think about it. Okay, we talked about Peter. Think about Peter. Like we always talk about, but like, man, Peter was hood, y'all. Like he was crazy. He, he's not one of them polished dudes. 
Mine's just, he goes, letting you arrest my boy. <laughs> if they'd have had a gun, he'd have shot that dude, man. I'm like, come on. <laughs> I got your back, man. Rough around the edges, just some old fisherman. Come on, fishermen and tax collectors. Jesus was reckless. Why would he pick those people? Why would he pick people that, that the world despised? Why would he pick Judas? When I asked somebody the other day, I said, did Judas make heaven? They're like, oh my God, no. I said, you sure? Are you sure? Come on, this video is going to get clipped up and sent to a lot of people. Are you sure? <laughs> so I say, okay, what's the, what's the, what's the, what's the uh, uh, requirements of, of salvation? Well, you got to believe. Check. And then you get the real one. You got to repent. Check. Gave back the money, repented, couldn't live with himself because of the consequences. Has nothing to do with salvation. Come on. We're trying to demonize and villainize everybody who's not of us. It's like, well, the Church of Christ ain't going to make heaven. The Baptists, well, I don't know about, they're going to make heaven, but boy, I don't know about them. They're like, them Pentecostals, they be... Speaking of, I think they might be demon-possessed. They kind of crazy. Speaking in tongues, they don't even know what they're doing. Come on, Jesus was reckless. I started reading stories of Jesus' ministry. I could have, man, I could have put down so many. Still not on my notes, in case you were wondering. <laughs> Miriam Webster defines reckless as marked. By a lack of proper caution. It's marked by a lack of proper caution. And so when I asked, I, 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 was, I, was, I was faced with some things this week, and I said, God, am I being reckless? He said, yeah. Yeah. He said, I'm, I was reckless. Because, you know, I'm, I'm, it's, my, it's my job. Like, I have to answer for y'all. That's what y'all don't understand. I don't know how many was here at my installment service. Bishop started saying all the things that I was accountable for y'all doing. And I was like, time out. I need to study a little longer. Hold on. I did not know that. I did not know I was accountable for all these people and what they do and do not do. Skirt. <laughs> no, thank you. I say, God, I don't want to be reckless with your people. God, if, I'm, if we're doing something wrong, you tell me. You tell me if we're doing something wrong. I don't, I don't want to miss it, God. I don't want to be reckless. He said, why not? He said, I was reckless. Jesus was reckless. Come on. Reckless means a lack of proper caution. My whole ministry, people have called and tell me, you better be careful. You better take caution.
You ever been challenged by something and it makes you cautious? I mean, like, so, like, Seth, what is 7 plus 10? Are you sure? Are you positive? You can take off your shoes and count your toes if you need to. You sure? You're sticking with that answer. But how many times have you, have you been questioned about stuff that you know? Like, I know this, but now that somebody that I hold at high regard or somebody who's been doing it longer than me, can I tell you, I don't know how many times when leading this church, I sat in meetings with, with these people that have been pastoring for like 20, 30 years, and I go, dang, I must have missed something. Am I the only one? Am I the only one that sees a problem here? So what do I do? I start questioning myself and I start getting cautious. Oh, oh stop. no, no, no. No, don't go Facebook live. and Take the Facebook live feed down. Okay? Because I know the people in the room ain't smart enough to do no, I'm teasing. <laughs> I'm messing with you. I'm messing with y'all. Like, chill out. It's called comic relief while I'm trying to find my spot in my notes. Okay? And so for a split second this week, I had a hesitation. It's like, okay, okay, God. The hesitation's good. That means I'm being responsible. Because I do have to answer for y'all. Y'all little hoodlums, okay? I said, God, am I being reckless? Am I being reckless? What am I doing wrong? Show me the scripture, God. I don't want to look at man's opinion. No, 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 no. I don't want to look at, I don't want to look at how so-and-so messed up and what happened there. No, 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 irrelevant. I don't want to look at how this guy had a mega church and he and he messed. I don't, it don't matter to me. I don't care, I don't care if two people or two thousand people come here. That's not, I'm not looking at that. It's like, God, show me the Bible. What am I doing wrong? Biblically. Search my heart for every ounce of scripture that's in my heart and you, you bring it to remembrance. I'm holding him to his word. I'm like, God, you tell me. You show me. You show me what I'm doing wrong. I said, God, am I being reckless? He said, wasn't Jesus reckless? Come on, Luke 8, verse 26. So they arrived in the region of the Gerasians, across the lake from Galilee as Jesus was climbing out of the boat a man who was possessed by demons came out to meet him for a long time he had been homeless and naked living in the tombs of the town as he saw Jesus he shrieked and fell down in front of him then he screamed why are you interfering with me Jesus son of the most high God please I beg you don't torture me for Jesus had already commanded the evil spirit to come out of him the spirits had often taken control of the man even when he was placed under guard and put in chains and shackles. He simply broke them and rushed out into the wilderness completely under the, under the demon's power. Jesus demanded, what is your name? Legion, he replied, for he was filled with many demons. The demons kept, kept begging Jesus not to send them into the bottomless pit. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. And demons begged him to let them enter into the pigs. So Jesus gave them permission. Then he gave the then he 
Then the demons came out of the man, entered the pigs, and the entire herd plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned. When the herdsmen saw it, they fled to a nearby town in the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been freed from the demons. He was sitting at Jesus' feet, no longer naked, but fully clothed and perfectly sane, and they were all afraid. Then those who had seen what happened told the others how the demon-possessed man had been healed. And all the people in the region of the Gerasians begged Jesus to go away and leave them alone for a great wave of fear swept over them. Jesus does a miracle. Cleanses the crazy man that y'all know. Dude, nuts. Got 2,000 demons in him, some theologians say. Because there was more than 2,000 pigs that. And they sent him away. They sent him away. Why? Because his method was reckless. His method was reckless. So you know me. I got to put myself in the story. I got to put myself in the shoes of the herdsman. Like, why? what are you so worried about? Because here's where we are at as a church today. We are more worried about the method than the man. You know what they said? There was 2,000 pigs in that herd. You know how much bacon we could have ate? You know how much blood gold sausage was it? That was a pool, that was a bunch of pool pork sandwiches right there. That's reckless. Why would you do that? I don't know a cattleman alive that you could take 2,000 of his herd and he survive it financially. He said, you're reckless. I don't want nothing to do with you. You scare me. Come on, he said they were afraid. Like, afraid of what? He just delivered this dude. Afraid of what? I'm afraid you might get in my business. Could you go away? Because I don't understand the grace of God. I don't understand the grace of God. The grace of God's reckless. Come on. You're reckless and it scares us. I wonder how many people miss God because what he asked them to do seemed reckless. I tell you, I'm just stupid enough to do what he asked me to do. I'm stupid enough to go pour a jug of water on a dude's head that I don't even know. And then hope he don't turn around and hit me in the mouth. Y'all have heard me tell that story. This dude, for y'all that haven't heard that story, dude had $800 boots on. I know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a cowboy. I used to be. Dude had $800 full Quill Lucchese boots on. That water about to ruin these boots. This dude going to hit me in the mouth. Pour water on. Jug of water. That dude had revival right there in that square. That dude, what do you mean revival? He began to live again. All the dead things that was on him drowned just like the pigs. Come on. I laugh all the time, but 2,000 demons... 
2,000 demons got on, on some pigs, and the pigs went and baptized themselves and drowned. We'll give you that opportunity in a minute. We got the baptistry full of water if you want to. If you got some demons on your back, you need to drown them. Come on. Reckless grace. Jesus. Reckless grace. Jesus, the Son of God, makes wine. Why would you do that? You know them religious church people are going to argue about that for 2,000 years. Why would you do that? That's reckless. Come on. Jesus heals a withered man's hand on the Sabbath. What did the religious people say? Blasphemy. You know what they really were saying? Man, why couldn't you wait till tomorrow? And Jesus says stuff to them like, wait a minute. Was man made for the Sabbath or Sabbath made for man? Wait, 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 wait. The day of rest was supposed to be for me. You've made it about you. It's not about the Sabbath, it's about the man. But we've thrown away the man for the method. Come on, you got to speak in tongues before you can do that stuff. Come on, you gotta, you got to sit in the, in the pew for six months before you can sing. Come on, you gotta, you got to have a sanctification experience before you can cast out demons. Those church people knew what I was talking about. The rest of y'all was like, I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. <laughs> I got man, there's so many. I can't read all these stories for time. Come on, I'm eating barbecue today. I'm excited about it. The grace of God was that's what I'm talking. Hey, man, I love y'all. That's what I'm talking about. Get get as passionate about food as you are, Jesus. That's what I'm talking about. I'm done. Luke 7, 11 through 17. I have to read you this one though. I have to read you this one. Soon after Jesus went to the disciples to the village of Nain, I don't know how you say that, and a large crowd followed him. A funeral procession was coming out as he approached the village gate. Come on, you know the one y'all won't even pull over the side of the road for? This was old days. Paul Bears, y'all think, think it was bad then. Like they carry in the casket for real, for real. Like, they're carrying it all the way to the cemetery, okay? <laughs> a funeral procession was coming out the gate. The young man who had died was the widow's only son, and a large crowd from the village was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart was overflowed with compassion. Don't cry, he said. Then he walked over to the coffin and touched it. Oh, shoot. <laughs> Come on, y'all got to read the Bible real. It's either real or it's a fairy tale. Like I'm pulling over the hearse. Oh man, that lady looks upset. Pull over. Pull over. Open the back. I'm laughing, but this is real, y'all. Come on, roll it out on them little roller things where it rolls out where the guys can grab it. He lays hands on the coffin. Y'all, that's reckless. It's reckless. Like, you giving these, come on, the church people all said, you giving this lady false hope. Come on, we just mourned with her at the death of her son. Come on, this is reckless. 
I can just imagine. I can just imagine if there was any Pharisees around there like, oh, no, 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 no. Oh, no, 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 no. I can just imagine the board of the church, the disciples. Jesus, no, come on, man. Come on, man. This is the attempt that's going to put us under. Come on, Luke, the doctor is going, you're giving our haters ammo, man. Don't do this. This is reckless. Don't go Facebook Live. If you're going to do it, go to the funeral home when nobody's there. Don't do it in front of all these people. That's reckless. He walked over the coffin and touched it, and the bearers stopped. Young man, he said, I tell you, get up. Like, and out of nowhere, this undertaker scene from WWE comes out of my head. Come on, y'all. Like, he got his suit on. He got his death clothes on. Come on, he's all did up with the makeup and the hair's fixed like he never even fixed it before. It's brushed a different way than it ever was. Come on, he got his death clothes on. And Jesus said, get up. Get up. And the dead boy sat up and began to talk. Who's now? It's one thing that he set up. That might have been some tendons or they might not have him strapped down good. Then he said, what's up? What y'all doing? Where we at? Ma! <laughs> I can do this all day, y'all, for real. <laughs> you said, that's morbid, Pastor. Yeah, it's reckless. Come on, the grace of God and the power of God is reckless. Because all the church people, if I have did that, y'all have left my ministry. Until it worked. Come on, y'all. But you'll never know if you don't shoot that shot. Let me get the worship team so I can figure out while y'all's trying to play and stuff, I can figure out how to end this, okay? Jesus was lacking proper caution. Blind man comes to Jesus, needs healing. What's he do? Hawks a loogie. That's, that's nasty. That's reckless. Why would you do it like that? Just You got the power. Why are you playing around? Jesus just healing. If he needs to go wash his face, that's fine. But why you got to spit in it? Why you got to put mud in this dude's eyes? Put so much mud in this dude's eyes when he washed it the first time. He said, can you see now? He said, I see men, but they look like trees. Like, oh, you just didn't get all the dirt out of your eyes. Wash your face again. Come on, y'all. You got to read the Bible real. Jesus was reckless. Jesus was reckless. His ways were unconventional. Stand to your feet this evening, this morning.
Can you dim the lights for me? Jesus was reckless. He didn't care who they were. He didn't care their past. He didn't care what got them to the place. When Jesus had encounters with people, he took a shot. He took a chance. He was reckless. And I came to tell you today that the grace of God is reckless. He'll take a chance on you. He'll take a chance on you today. And he'll say, I don't care where you've been. I don't care how many people you've hurt. I don't care how many drugs you've done. My, the, the church people might say, you're re I'm reckless, but I'll put my name on you. I'll put my name on you. Come on, I came to lead a church called the Refuge Church where people can come and be at a safe place where the R, you can make the R stand for reckless. I'm okay with that. Come on. If you need an encounter this morning with the reckless grace of God, not that bougie grace of God that everybody else preaching. I'm not preaching that grace of God this morning. I need somebody that, that needs God to get in your mess. I need somebody that says, God, I need you to be with me in the middle of this addiction. If that's you, come down here. We're going to pray for you. I'm going to lay hands on you. Because what do I know? When you make that step, it's not about putting you in front of the church people. You're not my trophy. That's not why I show grace. That's not why I show grace. So I can say, oh, look who I, look who I loved on. Show grace because I need you to encounter something that will change your life. I need you to know that God will put his name on you. Come on, ain't that what adopted into the family is? Come on, I'm I now cry out, Abba, Father, I put my name on you. Come on, Tesfaye's name isn't something else. I put my name on him. Daddy's name ain't something else. I put my name on them. And Jesus is saying this morning, no matter how reckless it seems, no matter how drunk you got last night, no matter how high you are, no matter how much religious people say, oh, he can't do that, or you can't say that, or you can't. He said, I put my name on you. I adopt you as my son. He said, I'll lead you. He said, I'm on. When you get saved, you have the right to become sons of God. He said, but as I begin to lead you, then that's how you operate as a sons of God. Okay, so here's what we do. We get them saved, and then we start leading them. We start telling them, oh, you can't, you can't smoke weed no more. You can't drink weed. You can't drink, you can't drink uh, alcohol no more. You can't do pills no more. And God said, that's my job. Let me lead them. Because if you're leading them, if you're leading them, son, when you fail them, they're going to fall. He said, but I need their struggle to lead them to me. If you're here this morning, we're going to sing the reckless love of God song again. If you're here this morning and you need the reckless grace of God. And people have told you that you're not good enough for the grace of God. People have told you you had to earn it. You had to perform it. And you say, I just, I can't. I tried. I want to be good. Come on, Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He said, the things I want to do, I don't do. And the things that I do, I don't want to do. What's he saying? He said, my flesh is running rampant. And I'm writing the Bible. Come on, that's reckless.
going to put somebody I'm going to put somebody in the pulpit leading this church that never been through seminary. That's reckless. Come on. I'm going to use somebody in healing and prophetic and every other thing. Man, God's working in Jason's life. Who was in prison a year and a half ago. That's reckless. Why wouldn't we just use the good church people? Because they're spectators. God didn't have me preach this for a bunch of church people that don't need grace. Come on, if God's beating your heart out of your chest right now and beckoning you, come down here. I don't care if you are a church person. I don't care if you've never been in church. I don't care if you're drunk and high right now. If you need the grace of God, if you need the reckless grace of God, that people have convinced you you're not good enough, you get down here in this line. You get down here in this line and we're going to, those of us that understand the grace of God are going to get behind you. I'm going to get in front of you. And I'm going to pray you through. Come on, as we sing, come. I'm going to give you just a moment to come before we start praying.